Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. As you're taking a seat, uh, if you live close to the church and uh, you are willing and able, um, feel free to come back here around noon to help us transform the building. That would be great. We're, we're going to be encouraging the second service folks to stick around, but I'm guessing the second service will be lighter for multiple reasons. And so if you live close and you want to come back and help, we would certainly appreciate that. One Sunday, uh, not so long ago, I was uh, wrapping up things here at the church after the second service, and I spotted a mom at the Welcome Center, and she was just standing there waiting for her husband and kids so that she could leave. And it was really interesting because she wasn't hurrying them at all. And I walked up and I looked at her and I saw where she was looking and I looked in the direction that she was looking. And what I noticed was that her husband and her kids were together talking and laughing and loving on one another. And I said, you know, they could do this at home. And she said, yes, but it happens so rarely. <laughs> and so she went on to tell me about how um, her oldest adult child had asked her Mom, what is something that hurts you most as a parent? And she said, when my kids don't get along, that's what hurts most as a mom. And then her adult child asked, what gives you the most joy, the most joy as a parent? And she said, when my kids love one another, when my kids get along with one another, when my kids enjoy one another. If you are a parent of more than one child, you know exactly what she is expressing. I know in my household growing up and in my household today, there are multiple times where it has been said, why can't you just get along? Why can't you just be nice to one another? Why can't you just love one another? I've been out of the room for three seconds and already somebody is crying. As parents, we know few things in life are more defeating and more hurtful when our kids fight with one another, and few things give us more joy when our children love one another. Church, we are the children of God. We are the family of God. And I think in what we just uh, talked about demonstrates the heart of God. When God's children fight and squabble with one another, it breaks his heart. But when we reconcile with one another, when we care for one another, when we love one another, 
It gives him great joy. And so as you think about this Christmas season and the gift that God has given to you, maybe there's a gift that you can give back to God. Maybe the gift that you can give back to God is to pursue reconciliation with a brother or sister in Christ that you have been estranged from. Maybe it is to love someone that you consider unlovely for the sake of the joy of our Heavenly Father. If you would open up to John chapter 15, uh, today we'll be looking at verses 9 through 17. Uh, next week we'll, 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 we'll step away from John and look at a, a particularly Christmas passage. But I still think this passage is appropriate for Christmas. As we have received the love of Christ in Christmas, we share the love of Christ at Christmas. Again, this is part of Jesus' farewell discourse. Let me remind you, just prior to this, just prior to the Passover meal, the disciples are fighting with one another, arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And so Jesus is speaking into this context. And just after this, Jesus is going to tell his disciples, his family, that the world is going to hate them. And so in between these two extremes, Jesus reminds them once again to love one another. So John chapter 15, verse 9 through 17, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Lord, loving strangers is often easier than loving churchmen and churchwomen. It is often hard to love those that we share much time with. God, pray that through your spirit you would work in our hearts and in our lives, that we might be reconciled with one another where needed and might love one another as you have loved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you this question. Who in Christ's church is hard for you to love?
It may be a type of person, someone who's overly talkative, someone who's guarded, someone who doesn't seem to pull their weight. Maybe for you, it's not a type of person. Maybe it's just a person. And you know who I'm talking about. That person that is just so hard for you to love that is a part of Christ's church because of maybe something that they have done to you. Christ is very clear in this passage. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus repeats this commandment time and time again, not only throughout the scriptures, but throughout this farewell discourse, not because Jesus is forgetful of what he just said, but because he knows this command is so difficult to follow in real life. And so today, Jesus answers three important questions for us. The first question he answers is, why should we love? How we should love is a second And thirdly, who should we love? Why should we love? Especially when that person is such a you-know-what, whatever that is. How should we love them? And then who should we love? First, why should we love? And very simply, the first reason is to obey Jesus' commands. Love is what Jesus commands here. It's very easy to prove. Verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another. Now, what is so interesting here in verse 12 is Jesus says, this is my commandment, singular. This is my singular commandment that you love one another, as if this is the only command Jesus has. And yet, back in verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, plural. And what this is a great reminder of to us is that all of Jesus' commandments, plural, are for the purpose of fulfilling his singular commandment, which is to love. Matthew 22 We read a story about a lawyer who asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, okay? On these two commandments, which is one commandment to love, but to love God and love others, on these two commandments depends All the law and the prophets, God's hundreds, if not thousands of commandments, all focus on this one primary commandment, which is to love, to love God and to love others. You know, it's like this with our own children. We have many rules in our house, like thou shalt not punch thy brother or sister, right? Thou shalt not shine a flashlight or Nerf gun at thy brother and sister's face. Thou shalt not steal thy brother or sister's candy. But all of these commandments, and there's many more, all of these commandments is for one supreme commandment, which is to love one another. And so why should we love one another? It's to obey all of Jesus' commandments, which is fulfilled in fulfilling the one supreme commandment, to love. The second reason Jesus gives here is so that we might abide in Jesus' love. Verse 9. And we covered this a little bit last week. But Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, which are all about love, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, we kind of parsed this verse apart last week a little bit. And so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. 
But for the Christian that does not love his brother or sister in Christ, who is refusing, who is withholding love from his brother and sister in Christ, they are not in jeopardy of losing the love of Christ. But what they are in jeopardy of losing is the enjoyment of the love of Christ, of abiding in the love of Christ. Meaning that if you refuse to love your brother or sister in Christ, Christ still loves you. But you are limiting, you are robbing yourself of fully experiencing the love of Christ for you. 1 John 2 puts it this way, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. You know, one of the ways I see Christians often trying to find loopholes in Christ's command to love one another is by labeling people. If you give someone a label or a title, then that can give you somehow an out of loving that person. So sometimes people will title another person or, or label another person as a manipulator. If they're a manipulator, then I don't need to love them. Or they'll label them a monster. If they're a monster, I don't have to love them. Or they'll give them another label to them, whatever that label might be. There's plenty of labels out there. But if you give them a label, if you give them a title, if you define them by this one thing, then guess what? I don't have to love them. But that's not the label that God gives to his people. The label God gives is son, daughter. For us, their label is brother and sister. And it may be true that they struggle with manipulation, that they struggle with monster-like tendencies, that they struggle with sin. I'm sure that they do. But according to verse 10, if you justify hating your brother or sister in Christ by putting a label upon them, what you are doing is you are robbing yourself from enjoying the love of Christ. And so we have two reasons that we should love one another when it is hard to do. The first is to obey Jesus' commands, which is reason enough. The second is to abide in Jesus' love, to enjoy his sweet communion. And third is to experience Jesus joy. Look at verse 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What is Jesus' joy? In Hebrews 12, it says, for the joy that was set before him, the, so the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross despising its shame. So in other words, the, the, the picture that we have here is, is almost like there's a, a platform, and on that platform there is this joy. And in order for a joy for Christ to get to that joy, he has to go through the cross. And unless he goes through the cross, he cannot get to that joy that is set before him. And so the question is, what is that joy set before Christ that he can only get if he goes through the cross? Well, think about this. Before the first Christmas, before his incarnation, Christ was in heaven above, had a perfect, wonderful, glorious relationship with the Father and the Spirit. He had the praise of angels. He lived in perfect harmony and peace. And so, so that's not the joy that was set before him because he already had that joy before the cross. So what was the joy set before him that he had to go through the cross to receive? The only thing that Christ did not have, the only joy that Christ did not have, the only joy that he had to go through the cross to claim for his own 
is you and me to be reconciled to him and to the Father for all eternity. But that joy through the cross was not just you. It's also your brother and your sister in Christ. And so Jesus says, listen, they are my joy. And if you want to have my joy in you, then you must rejoice in them. Think of it this way. I had some friends recently that adopted a child. And I'm sure with any adoption, it came at great expense. There are home visits typically. There are some legal expenses. There's the process that takes a lot of time uh, to, to secure the adoption. But finally, the adoption happened, and they rejoiced. They celebrated. Their joy was overflowing. Now, imagine if my friends shared this with me, and I said, eh, eh, okay. I don't really like the kid, but good for you. They would say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Rejoice with us. This child was once an orphan. Now they are my child. Rejoice. Christ endured the greatest expense of his own life to claim your brother and sister to himself. And he calls us to pursue them, to reconcile with them, to love them, to rejoice in them because they are the joy for which Christ went through the cross. Why should we love one another to obey Christ's commands, to abide in Christ's love, and to experience Christ's joy? Secondly, how should we love? In this instance, the Sunday school answer is correct. We should love like Jesus, right? Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another how as I have loved you. Now, this seems pretty plain and simple. I should love people like Jesus loves people, but Jesus knows we need details to this. <laughs> he knows what we need to know. What exactly does it look like? How exactly did Jesus love us that we need to love others in that same way? And there are many ways that Jesus loved us, but there are two here that Jesus emphasizes. The first is to love sacrificially like Jesus. Again, verse 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then, as Jesus has done throughout the farewell discourse, he gives an opportunity for self-assessment to see if you are his friend, to see if he has laid down his life for you to see if you still need to trust in him. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You know, the extent of Jesus' love is shown by his sacrifice. Really, the extent of anybody's love is shown by their sacrifice for another person. I mean, up to this point in the life of the apostles, Jesus had had done great sacrifice. Again, at Christmas, we're celebrating the sacrifice of Christ to leave glorious heaven, which we all long for, to come to a broken and dark world. 
And so he had sacrificed that. He had called them to himself. He had discipled them for three years. He had endured uh, their arguments, their, their, you know, their childlike behavior, their insecurities, their rebellion. And yet he faithfully taught them and cared for them and loved them over the course of three years. This is a great sacrifice by Christ. But when we read verse 13, we ultimately are focused on his ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate display of his love. That within 24 hours, Jesus would not just figuratively lay down his life, but he would literally lay down his life for his disciples. Not only taking on death for them, but the wrath of God for their sins so that they could be reconciled with God, so they could become children of God, so that they could become brothers and sisters with Jesus himself. Greater love has no higher expression than to give that which is most precious to us. And what is most precious to us? Our life, our relationship with God. And yet Jesus traded both of those. Though temporarily, he traded both of those painfully for us, the joy that was set before him. You know, we live in such a consumeristic world that we are told, do not give up your time. It's too precious. Do not give up your money. It's too little. Don't give up your comfort. It's too comfortable. Friends, this is not the way of the cross. It is not the way of Christ and it is not the way of the followers of Christ. We are not simply called to be consumers of the sacrificial love of Jesus, but we are also called to be conduits of the sacrificial love of Jesus. Jesus says, you love one another as I have loved you. I know at times we think, man, would I, would I die for Jesus? Maybe a better question we should ask is, would I live for Jesus? Would I sacrificially love his children as he does, giving of my time, giving of my treasure when needed, giving of my energy? We should love like Jesus sacrificially, but also, and this one might be more surprising to you, we must love like Jesus transparently. Verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. You know, it's so interesting. A boss really has no obligation to reveal company secrets to the employees. I mean, I don't think Henry Ford ever went down to the assembly line and say, you know, this is the direction we're going with the company. What do you think? Or here's, here's our secret to success. The boss gives direction and discipline when people get out of line. All the boss owes the employee is a payment for the service. But Jesus, who is Lord over all, Jesus, who we are unworthy even to be called his servants, says this. He says, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, all that I have heard from my father, everything that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You know, there are a few times throughout Scripture where people are called a friend of God. Abraham is called a friend of God. Moses is called a friend of God. And here the apostles are called the friend of God. And the thing that all of these men had in common is that God let them in. God was transparent with them. God showed them himself. 
And God told them what his plans were. What made them friends with God is that God was transparent with them. You see, a friend is so much more than a boss or an acquaintance. A friend is someone who lets you in. A friend is someone whom you let in. Someone whom you share your secrets with. My wife talks about this as lowering the water line. And I know she stole it from someone else, but it's still good. You know the picture of the iceberg. You've all seen the picture of the iceberg. 10% is above the water, right? And 90% is below the water. And with the world, with acquaintances, we show them the 10%. We show them just what's on the surface of who we are. But there's still a 90% of us that's below the waterline. And one of the keys to building friendship is lowering that waterline, exposing more of who you are, more of your joys, more of your dreams, more of your struggles, more of your pains with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so let me ask, who do you lower the water line with? To whom do you let into the depths of your heart? To whom do you get spiritually naked with? <laughs> and reveal all of the things that you don't want to tell anyone, but you know that you have to tell someone. To be honest with you, this is why we try to encourage community groups split in men and women so that the water line will lower. Uh, typically, that, what we found, maybe not always, but when, when the men and women stay together in community group, what happens is we just pray for the 10% above the water line. Pray for my kids, pray for my health, pray for my travel. Those are the three things. But the reason that we, that we split in the men and women is so that we can talk about our heart. <laughs> what am I struggling with? What am I rejoicing in? How can we hold each other accountable? How can we love each other, care for each other, support one another? We are called to lower the waterline. You know, there are times when uh, people come to Jacob's well and they just say, man, I can't get connected to the church. And what is so interesting is that Christ's words sing so, ring so true in those situations. Most of the time, not all the time, but much of the time, people who have trouble connecting to the church is because they, they don't want to sacrificially serve the church. They don't serve the church in any capacity. And, and to be honest, they're guarded. Like they don't want to lower the water line. And so no wonder why you can't connect to the church. Not always the case. But often, maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, man, I'm really having trouble connecting to the church, connecting to Jacob's Well Church. Let me ask, where are you serving? <laughs> where are you lowering the water level? See, if you love sacrificially but not transparently, then you're a relief worker. If you love transparently but not sacrificially, then you're simply a client in a counseling session. But if you love sacrificially and transparently, Jesus says, then you are a friend. How should we love? We should love like Jesus. Love sacrificially, love transparently. Finally, who should we love? Verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Now Jesus is talking to the apostles here. In the context of him commanding them to love one another, he is reminding them that he first chose them, 
off the boat, out of the tax collector booth, wherever it might be, Jesus chose them first. They did not choose him. And the question is, why is Jesus, why has Jesus put this here? Why is it relevant? Well, I think it's to connect what we just talked about and what's to come. So let's keep reading. Let's start in verse 16 again. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. That is missionary language, like the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all the nations. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And so the question is, what is the fruit that abides? What is the fruit that remains? What is the, what's the fruit that lasts forever? You know, agriculturally, all fruit perishes. But what is the fruit that Christ is talking about here that will last forever? Well, we know that three things last forever. God himself, the word of God, and the souls of men. And here in this great exhortation, Jesus is saying the fruit that you will bear is not only inside you, but it will be in the world around that, that you will go and that you will reap a harvest of souls that will last forever. And he goes on, he says, so whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We've talked about this almost every week. Jesus has said this time and time again, and never is Jesus talking about a Lamborghini, as we said. It's always in the context of bearing fruit, of being faithful to Christ's commands, to extending his mission throughout the world. In those contexts, he says, ask me, and I will give it to you. Pray for wisdom, and I will give you wisdom. And then he brings it full circle in verse 17. Not only are we to go out and love people missionally, but don't forget you are also supposed to love people inside Christ's church. Verse 17, he says, These things I command you so that you will love one another. You know, as we ask the question, who should we love? We should ask the question, who did Jesus love? And if you look at the apostles that Jesus chose, uh, he didn't choose the brightest. (laughs) He didn't choose the most externally righteous. Jesus chose ordinary men. And do you know what scripture says about ordinary men? Actually, what scripture says about all men? Romans 3 says this, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. This applies to the apostles too. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And then it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Here's the point. Jesus did not choose to love you when you were lovely. (laughs) Jesus did not choose to befriend you when you were friendly. Jesus did not choose to choose you when you were choice. The only people Jesus chooses is people like you. Jesus only chooses unfriendly, unchoice, unlovely people. Because that's the only people he has to choose from. 
Jesus loves you when your heart is deceitful, when your actions are unrighteous, when your heart is filled with evil, when you love darkness. Jesus chooses to love you when you are completely unlovable. This is the good news of the gospel. Romans 5 says this, Christ died for the ungodly. Could it be any clearer? For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Who is hard for you to love? Maybe intimidating people? Judgmental people, clicky people. I know I, I hear time and again, man, like church is clicky. I say, yep, it is. <laughs> I mean, youth group's clicky. Knitting club is clicky. You know, coffee team's clicky. Like, and there, there is clickiness, and it's not, it's not good. But, but what's so fascinating to me is, is the way that we often respond to clickiness it's by being clicky. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So like we say, you know, I'm, I'm really frustrated that these people aren't loving me sacrificially, that they're not loving me transparently as Christ has commanded. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my ball and go home, right? I'm not going to love them sacrificially. I'm not going to love them transparently. I'm not going to pursue them. Who should we choose to love? Love unlovely, selfish nearsighted, immature, rude, rebellious, clicky people, both inside and outside of the church. Why? Because Jesus chose to love you in the midst of your unloveliness, your selfishness, your sinfulness, your nearsightedness, your clickiness. Christ loves you. And we're not called just to be consumers of his love, but conduits of his love to all people without exception. Let me end with this. I'm going to end with a quote and a challenge. First, a quote. If you're here and maybe your heart is resistant to this thought of loving somebody because they have hurt you, I want to challenge you with this quote from C.S. Lewis as to what is the alternative to loving them. Okay, here it is. You've probably heard it before, but it's, I think, poignant. C.S. Lewis says this, There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable, lowering the waterline. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. And then here's the alternative path. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will not change. That's right, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. Friends, if you choose to love like Jesus you will get hurt. But it's so great, so, so much better than the alternative, which is being utterly unhurtable. 
Finally, a challenge. I called this sermon the love dare. Some of you may recognize that from the movie Fireproof when there was a love dare. And it was about two people in a marriage that didn't like each other a whole lot and what it looks like to love even in the midst of not liking one another. But I think we can apply this in the context of the church as well, not just in the context of marriage. I mean, Jesus, who spoke today's passage, also said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. This is what Jesus says. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. So here is your love there. (laughs) To put this passage into practice towards one person this week. This week, love someone that you don't like very much. Someone who drives you nuts. It may be a boss, it may be a neighbor, it may be a coworker, it may be a family member, maybe your pastor. Please don't rush the stage after the service. <laughs> you know who that is. And you may be trying to say, nope, I don't want to love that person. And you're already trying to find another person. Go back to that first person. Love them like Jesus loves you. Love them sacrificially, giving up your time, maybe giving them a special little gift for Christmas. Doesn't have to cost a lot of money, something thoughtful and caring. Love them transparently. Lower the waterline a little bit. Be careful. I'm not saying to be reckless with this. You need to build trust, but lower it a little bit. Tell them a little bit about what's going on in your life. And do this not because your pastor told you to, but to obey Jesus' command of love, to abide in Jesus' love, and to experience Jesus' joy. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we hold grudges, (laughs) that we keep fists in our pocket, that we avoid people who have frustrated us. Lord, may we not just be hearers of the word, may we be doers of the word this week. May we practice what has been preached. May we love those that we don't particularly like. Grant us grace to be faithful to your commands today. Lord, as we turn to your table, we are reminded (laughs) of what you did for unlikable people. We're reminded of your love towards unlovely people. We're reminded of your sacrifice for us. God, may we receive these elements to nourish us in this high calling that you have given to us to love one another. That we may go and do what is impossible in our own strength to be conduits of your love for us to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.